I kick myself for years and years and years. I go, no, 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 I don't. But as soon as, I, yeah, you know, 30, 45 seconds improvement over 12 months, I said, that's the first thing that anyone can do in their swim if it's not that strong is get a, a video analysis from a, a, a good coach. The Triathlon Show 135. Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and today's episode is another case study, this time with Australian age grouper Brett Amos 47. Among other things, we get into the value of getting a swim video analysis done of joining a swim squad and of getting a triathlon coach. So those are three very big, big things that made a big difference in Brett's progression over the last seven years or so that he's been doing triathlons. And it is kind of funny that this episode comes close off the back of my interview with Paul Newsom from Swim Smooth, because that is, uh, it was Paul who did the video analysis for Brett, and uh, Swim Smooth is the squad that Brett swims with. But actually, Brett uh, sent me an email before I even interviewed Paul, uh, although, as I said, I, I had been discussing with Paul for quite some time of bringing him on, but... Uh, Completely independent of that, Brett, Brett sent me an email and uh, told me that he would be volunteer for being a case study on the podcast. So it's a funny coincidence, nothing more. But hey, maybe I should still ask Swim Smooth to sponsor the podcast because Brett does a good job of praising them and uh, bringing them some free marketing in this episode, which is uh, well deserved, I think. And speaking of sponsors, this episode is sponsored by Precision Hydration, and I have to once again praise their blog, which is one of the best endurance sports blogs out there, I think. And one post that I recently came across that I really enjoyed was titled, Should You Really Just Drink Water to First? And uh, to make a long story short, because it is quite a long story, what it boils down to is if you raise... uh, short and actually this could go for water electrolyte uh, fluid more so than water Uh, if you're racing short distances in uh, moderate temperatures then uh, sure you can drink water to first that's what precision hydration recommends usually but in long distances and in hot and humid climates or if at least one of those uh, conditions apply then uh, that's that can that's not necessarily good enough it depends on your your sweat sodium content your sweat rate and those are things that are dependent on uh, genetics and all sorts of things really uh, diet etc which is why precision hydration has their free online sweat test that you can use to learn roughly how much sodium you need to replace and that in turn will determine how much you should drink and at what sodium concentration So you can click the link in the episode description or in the show notes to go directly 
to that uh, free online sweat test. You can find it on precisionhydration.com. And if you order any electrolyte products, you can use the promo code DEATTRIATHLONSHOW, all one word, all caps. And that will give you your first box or tube of electrolyte for free. And I've had so many listeners email me and thank me for introducing them to Precision Hydration that I really hope that that you are the next one. Because this is a, a product that is really making a difference for triathletes out there. Which is why they are a sponsor of, of this podcast. All right, now on with the interview with Brett Amos. Okay, so I have Brett with me here. Brett, how are you tonight? It's yeah, uh, getting, getting late there in Australia, I guess. Yep, all dad duties are done. Time for relaxing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and podcasting. Yes. So uh, this is uh, it's going to be an interesting case study, I'm sure. So let's just uh, dive into it with some basic facts, like how old are you and uh, where do you live? Right, um, I'm 47, live in Perth in Western Australia. Um, I've got four teenage kids, um, all uh, wanting Uber Dad everywhere. Um, background is sort of mountain biking um, and got into triathlon when I was about 40, so 47 now, so seven years. And uh, what about career? What, uh, what do you do for a living? Yeah, um, actually uh, work in laboratory, run the laboratory there, the R and oh, the research and development labs there. Uh, make sure everything's um, A-OK there. More do the, the paperwork side of things than the actual um, lab work. Perfect. And uh, 47, been in triathlon for seven years. Uh, what's your current level as a triathlete, would you say? Uh, probably just um, just a bit under five hours now on a, on a half Ironman, sort of about around about the 450, four yep. hours 50, yep. And uh, and when you got started, you you got into it from mountain biking. How how did that happen? Tell us a bit more about how how you got into it in the first place. Yeah, I was doing mountain biking a lot, and um, to get to the the good trails, it sort of took an hour and a half to get out there, and it was sort of getting a bit oh, not boring, but just time consuming to get out there. So um, I thought I'll try um, triathlon. So I um, started a. I think it was an enticer triathlon, which is 250-meter swim. Uh, I think it's a 10K bike ride and a 2K run. Um, got into that and, uh, yeah, thought, you know, maybe I'll just do a bit of a swim in the in the pool beforehand. Um, I think, you know, five laps is easy. Um, and I had a strong mountain biking background. I thought I'd just blast it on the on the straights there in the, you know, short 10K, how hard could it be? And, you know, running, I, how hard was that? So, yeah, I, my first uh, enticer one was uh, I almost drowned. First 50 metres, I did freestyle and just blew up and breaststroke to the rest. Um, got on the bike. I had a mountain bike. Um, I think it was the only one uh, in transition. All the rest were these fancy back then. I didn't know what they were, the tri bikes with the aero bars and that. And I said, oh, I'll blast them away. And, yeah, now I know that aero's everything. Um yeah, and that's how I got into it. Um, I just got the bug then and just kept progressing to longer distances. And uh, what was the progression like from, from there? How how long did it take you? Like how soon did you move up distances and, and how quickly did you start to progress and, and ramp up your training? 
Uh, I probably did um, a couple of entices because I just couldn't really swim and I was just like, right, take it easy. So I probably do entice a distance and then I was getting a little bit confident with the, the swimming. Um, so I went up to the um, the sprint distances, which is probably double that distance and that probably took uh, maybe six months to get to that stage. Um but yeah, it was all, all a learning curve. Still was on the mountain bike, really embarrassed because you take it into tri, um, transition and everyone's looking at you saying, you know, this guy's crazy on his mountain bike. Um, and then basically progressed from there, you know, started liking it heaps. So then I thought, no, I'll go buy a tri bike and started upgrading that way. And uh, so, so how, so you, but you were training yourself. How did you structure your training and how did you kind of, uh, did you have any, any idea what you were doing, why you were doing it or was it uh, kind of random? Uh, it was very random. It was um, inconsistent. You know, might, you know, I might have one or two sessions during the week and then, you know, blast myself on Saturday and Sunday and do like five or six, six hours on the weekend. You know, I was only tra- probably training five or six hours back then. Um, not getting any progression and I was thinking you know maybe I might have to do more volume or something like that but yeah from week to week it might be eight hours two hours nothing um, and thinking that you know just a blast it at the end and I get you know heaps of fitness a week out before a race. Did you find that your swim and run were still progressing because you hadn't done that, whereas your biking was kind of stagnant, or was it all uh, the same, really stagnating pretty pretty quickly? Yeah, the, the bike was um, was improving. Um, just getting used to being on a tri bike. I mean, if when you come from a mountain biking background, you've got the wide bars and you're trying to get on those aero bars, and it's you know, it's pretty pretty hairy, scary when you first start to try and get used to balancing on it. Um, picked that up quite well. That was progressing, but um, it was more the the swimming, the running. You know, I just I just ran, but with the swimming, I just I was absolutely hopeless. I think um, when my f- first one, on, I was probably swimming about two minutes thirty per hundred, um, and didn't really progress there. And I know you had Paul Newsom on uh, a couple of episodes before. One of the guys said, "Well, why don't you get a swimming lesson with this guy? A one a one to one video analysis." And I go, I didn't know who this guy was. I said, oh, okay, I'll just rock up and say, how you going, Paul? And he said, right, I will jump in the pool and I'll video you and we'll have a look. Um, and just seeing yourself swim, you just shook your head and I'm like, oh, okay, that's a crossover and you you, you, you pull through his guy. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't know what's going on. So he said, look, here's two drills. Just do them and that should get you on track. And they were two simple drills, did them for about six months and dropped from, say, two two minutes 30 to probably two minutes per hundred um and yeah so i was happy with that um and then just and, and how, long, how long have you been swimming now at this point before you oh. saw paul and took the and got the video analysis uh probably swimming for only about six months six or eight months um, okay. i was just getting frustrated yeah, yeah. so i thought no I'll, I'll go and see him but that, that 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 just shows you, and because that's that's why I want to highlight this that that you were swimming for six months, and um, maybe you were improving your endurance, you could sustain that two thirty pace, but not really getting faster. And then you go and uh, do that investment in a video analysis, and and then you suddenly drop thirty seconds. Not suddenly, but with with consistent work, you drop thirty seconds per one hundred, which is an insane amount of of time to to drop. So that is uh, that's great. Yeah. 
What, what about um, your run? What t- was? Yeah, sorry, sorry, go on. Oh, I was just saying with the the swimming, um, Paul basically the two drills that he got me to stop me from crossing over was um, it was like a, a Barocca or a vitamin tube, an empty tube, like a baton. Um, and he'd say, look, hold it out and then kick six times and grab it, swap it over. And it's like his, um, his 616 kick drill. Yeah. Um, and back then I didn't know what that, what that was for. Now I know it's just, you know, to help your alignment and uh, not crossing over. And, yeah, within, you know, four or five months it stopped the crossover, which was, you know, I thought, okay, hold this vitamin tube and it fixes it. And it did. So... Brilliant. What about your run so that we have your base or even if um, your run and your bike, when you did your sprint triathlons after you had gotten used to your tri bike, what what kind of times were you doing at that point and what was your run and bike split? Yeah, um, probably running on average back then, probably about five minutes, 45 per K off the bike. Um, uh, and the bike splits is probably averaging around about 30, 31 kilometers an hour. So whatever time that equates to over the distance, pretty consistent. Just, we're talking, um, uh, sprint, sprint distance tries. Yeah. Um, All right. So, so the next step then, uh, was, did you step up the distance pretty soon or, or how, where did you go from there? Yeah, I, I, I was doing the sprints and then I thought, no, let's, um, let's pick it up to, to do the Olympic distance. Um, and again, I think the first Olympic distance I did, um, I, I got over the line in about three hours, which, you know, back now I know that's pretty slow. Um, again, it was just the swim, getting used to the bike and then running off the bike. Um, again, the swim, I think when I did my first Olympic distance, I, I got out of the water second last. I looked back and there's this lady, I, I'd say, e- easy in her late 50s, early 60s behind me. And I just had the shit's big time <laughs> getting into transition going, that's all right, I'll make up the time when I get on my bike. I've got I to gotta make it up. I can't come last. I can't come last. Um, And then that's back then I went for another video analysis. But the running, um, no consistency. So I was still sort of running at about a – a 5.45 pace per kilometre. And uh, was the, would you say that the, was the consistency there really the whole time the, the biggest issue with uh, your training or was there something else that you did wrong yeah. that you know in hindsight? Yeah, I, I think it was just being in, inconsistent. You know, I might, I might have had, you know, 10 hours a week, uh, one week and then five the next and, and then, you know, blast it and do 15 no no structure in it just let's go out on the bike and ride for three hours no hitting power numbers or anything like that just, oh, i've got to ride for three hours you know and, and bust my gut um and yeah it just didn't work um when i finished that olympic distance that's when i stepped up to the half ironmans and then i thought oh it's not working for me so i'm gonna have to actually get some sort of plan in place so i can actually survive it and um that's when I got uh, Joe Friel's book, um, Your Best Triathlon. He's got some workouts in there, and I just followed the half Ironman workout there, and that's getting a little bit more consistency in those um, in that half Ironman, and, and got through it pretty well. So, uh, what was uh, how long had you been in triathlon at this point when you decided to step up to the half distance? Uh, I was probably in it for, I'd say, probably two and a half, three years. 
Okay, yeah. And that, the, your best draft, and I have that book myself and have read it, and I, I have even used one of the plans myself at one point uh, between, you know, before before I got my coach. I got a coach pretty soon when I switched from running to triathlon, but I had time to do a ha- half a season without a coach, and I used one of those plans. And, they're, and now knowing them, of course, having read through that book, they're challenging they're quite big volume and uh, so so that's pretty good that you at that point still being kind of a beginner managed to get through those uh that half iron plan yeah i think it also holds you to be accountable because it's in the training plan you go i've got to, i've got to do it i've got to do it before when you didn't have anything it was like ah just i'll just skip that one i can't be asked or it's wet or no nah, i can't get up but when it's in the plan i think it's more of a motivation like right? okay, i've got this bike session to do it's this i've got to get up i've got to do it so so i think it basically having a plan there that you know and develop some consistency as well helped yeah absolutely i 100 percent agree that one of the biggest benefits of having a plan is more than the plan itself it's that accountability and consistency that uh that you get so so how did you then get on with uh, that first half distance uh probably hit around maybe five and a half hours um did probably two or three of them and still was doing about five and a half hours wasn't actually progressing or getting quicker because i was just um still inconsistent but a lot of low hours um in the plan i think the minimum in his book was i think 10 hours and i was only getting anywhere between seven to nine hours um and i think you know i was just at that stage where you know you might have a week that's inconsistent and try and make it up which is probably not the the best thing to do yeah and uh so so you you did a few of them How, how many did you do uh, going off that book, I probably did, oh, I think it was about three three or four half Ironmans um, with that uh, with that plan. And then Over what uh, time I did them and then I... Was that? Um, probably the, the four that I did was probably, uh, probably did two a year. So it was over a two-year period at that distance. Okay. And and then uh, the next target was uh, was the Ironman. Yeah, the, the Ironman um, and just... Uh, grabbed that book and did the Ironman uh, training plan there um, and barely survived. I did two and barely survived. I'm just only doing seven or eight hours a week to get through it. Um, I did it just on 12 hours, but, yeah, it wasn't. Just didn't feel good coming across the, the finish line, whether it's nutrition or pacing or whatever. I just, um, I, after I did those two, um, I thought, no, I think the 70.3s were the, the distance that I liked the best. Um, and plus, it was a lot of lot of training, especially on the weekends, um, and you sort of lose a bit of touch with the family as well when you're coming closer to the race um, time. Yeah, yeah. So, so you now have returned to focusing on seventy point threes, and uh, uh, your training has uh, has changed quite a bit now since after those Ironmans. Uh, what what did you do exactly? Yeah, I basically. Um, I set a goal, I'd be almost two years ago to qualify for the, the World Championships, the half Ironman. And I thought, right, okay, let's get serious about this um, and followed Joe's book to the T for the first 12 months and was probably doing maybe up to 15 hours a week and times were uh, probably five hours. So I chopped off 30 minutes just being consistent and actually not missing any workouts at all. Um, 
picking up yoga, strength training, all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, 30 minutes, I went, wow. Um, and then I couldn't break under five hours. And I was sort of, I was the coach and the athlete. And I was, I think I was a bit biased, you know, on the workouts that I reckon were doing it. And I was doing the same thing in his book and wasn't mixing it up. So that's when I reckon about 12 months ago, I got, uh, I hired a coach um, and yeah, it's, I've hit under five hours now, which is great. Yeah. I think that uh, that's a good point uh, as well. You had followed this plan now, although you started following it to the T, so it was a bit different, but it's still the same plan. So however good a plan is, if you follow it a certain amount of, uh, of times, then it's going to be less effective because your body's already used to that type of training. So it's, uh, comes time to to maybe mix mix things up at uh, at some point. So uh, yeah, and I think yeah. So so the the coach uh, let's uh, let's plug him here. Give him a shout out. Who who is your coach? Uh, um, Sarah Hunter. She's um she's a duathlon, so she's good at uh, very strong at uh, cycling and running. Um, because I was pretty right with this the swimming and you know with Paul and all that in the swim squad. Um, yeah, so, and so, she's, so let's um, clarify that for the listeners, if that's not clear, you're you are swimming now with the Swim Smooth squad. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. I. I. You know, it took me probably I don't know years and years to get the guts up to actually because uh, I was doing a lot of solo swimming, so it took you know took a fair while, probably two years, to get the guts up to go <laughs> go to the squad when I made that um, goal that look I want to go to the World Champions championship i want to you know start ramping the swimming up so you know i rocked up down the the, the swim squad and the swim with guys and i was i was freaking out i'm thinking oh you know i was i was intimidated because these guys are swimming you know one you know 115 for hundreds and all that and i got out of the pool and i said what am i worried about so yeah the rest is history i've been swimming them for the last two years and it's it's i've improved so much i think i'm swimming around about the 135 to 140 mark now so really happy with that. Yeah, but, um, that, yeah the training with Sarah's. Yep. Uh, sorry, sorry no, go, go on. Uh, training with Sarah is. Oh yeah, training with Sarah was was quite. I think I was a bit pig-headed following the the plan, and as you said, doing the same thing, and you you'd stagnate. And I go, no, no, I've just got to go harder. And then I thought, no, I'm. I can't distinguish between the athlete and the coach. So I, I sort of had a chat to her, and yeah, she sort of did things differently. I'm actually training slightly less but my times are getting faster which i'll take that any day <laughs> <laughs> so so how did your training change uh, specifically because uh, i um when i was doing joe frills one it's they got it in the the four week block where you slowly ramp up your hours um per week until you've got to max out in the third week and then you sort of have a rest and test week um on the on the fourth week in that month i think sarah sort of mixed it around where it's the the first week is quite a lot and then it sort of ramps down. Um, I don't know whether that's physiological or, or a mental side, but it seems to work for me. So I said, right, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with that. Yeah, so, so you sent me the table. It's it's really interesting. So, for example, you might have 15 hours the first week, then 12, then 10, and then 8, and then you restart at 15, yep. 12. So, yeah, really, really interesting. Uh, interesting approach. And what about the the content of the the workouts? What uh, type of training do you do? Let's say if you build up for a race. Yeah, building up for a race, you probably have um, always doing strength training, sort of on a Monday, then sort of a Tuesday, 
she'll have a fairly easy bike sort of a you know a zone two type um ride um we have the probably wednesday will be uh the main run session and that will be the track work where you sort of a broken broken k's you know 200 meters 400 meters 200 meters type stuff um then thursday will be a pretty tough bike session it'll be either a um you know a 20 minute sort of sweet spot training or it'll be vo2 max where you sort of two on five two minutes riding hard at vo2 and five minute rest doing maybe five or six of them um and friday is probably an easy cruisy run and then we've got another session on the bike on saturday which will be you know probably anywhere between three to four hours where you've got maybe 20 20 minute intervals at a sort of a zone high zone three um swim and then on sunday i've got a long run where she'll uh long enduro one where she'll um depending on where we are in the training season she'll throw in at the end of say an hour hour and a bit um some 1k race efforts um yeah so i'm i'm swearing at her by the time i finish those sessions <laughs> would you say that uh, your intent the amount of intensity in your training has gone up or down compared to the joe friel plan um i'd say it's it, it's probably a mixture of both there's a lot of easy stuff in there but when they've got the main workouts it's it's tough you know you, you're doing a an hour of um vo2 and you might within that hour you know you warm up you cool down but the, the actual main session might be only like 20 to 30 minutes if that but you you are gassed out after after that hour um and it's a tough session yeah and, and uh, the swim smooth squad how often do you do you go to that how many swims do you do per week uh i do i do two i'm doing currently doing two now because it's sort of the off season but i'll um i'll do three um i think paul was explaining you've got the endurance uh technique on the tuesday night uh thursday night's the um the threshold which is a really tough session uh, i never walk away saying oh that was easy it's always totally gassed out after that um and then the the long enduro one uh, sort of the red mist type set on on saturday afternoon yeah yeah uh so with this uh change joining the squad and uh getting sarah as your coach uh what uh what would you say to people there are a lot of people obviously out there that are self-coached and uh, maybe don't really know the benefits of of coaching whether it's this uh sort of on deck swim squad coaching that you've got with uh, with paul or or it's the the programming side of things with with sarah what what can you what would you tell people about the benefits that you see from coaching um i think um maybe when you're coming up to a, an a race you you can basically have a chat to the coach on on what your plan is and where they can say yeah look i think that's okay or i think you're a bit optimistic here and and things to look out for whereas you probably you know you sort of got that fixed mindset and they can just throw out a couple of things that you think about go oh okay um just to keep you a bit honest on what you can actually do and what you think you can do um yeah and it's all this uh especially with the coaches that pacing awareness especially in the swim uh, i think paul was talking about tempo trainers and stuff like that in in your previous podcast um and that's awesome when it's beeping every 25 minutes just keeps you at the right pace and doing your first hundred you you 
in front by three or four seconds and if you keep that up you just gash yourself and you get really slow time and that's probably taken me 12 months to to get the pacing right and if you hadn't had a coach and those tools that they've given you to do that you'd probably be still you know floundering around and you know not pacing correctly so I think um, just having that third party to give you some ideas that you haven't thought of is is the major benefit yeah that, that, that's a, a good point about pacing I think probably almost half of the the workout reviews that I that I do have some sort of comment about the the pacing uh, and whether it's that it was good or that it that it that there are things that can be improved on that pacing because it's so important to get that right and that whether it's through positive reinforcement by by um, encouraging the athlete saying that they did a really good job with pacing this workout or whether it's pointing out some things that they can do better next time uh, that's uh, yeah I, I totally agree that that's one of the most important things and some something that you easily neglect if you if you don't have that that outside uh, objective opinion uh, looking at what you're doing and uh, for yeah, for your plan now for qualifying do you have a, a timeline for that and uh, are there things that you are still looking to to change or incorporate in your training or outside of your training to achieve that goal yeah um because i want to qualify for the the world championships in um in france next was 2019 um so i had a chat with the coach a couple of days ago and said um let's let's pick up the the strength training because i normally do it only once a week just for maintenance um it is the off season so you're going to hit the gym you know a couple of times a week um really gotten seriously uh into the yoga because uh, you're starting to get niggles from running and stuff like that so we're going to sort of work on that and then build up a little bit of a running block in the next month or so um, just to you know strengthen the run leg um, and just maintaining bike and keeping the, sw the swims up um, and, and see how that goes if the times especially with the running uh, increase or such a decrease yeah yeah uh, what, uh, what what do you have to do roughly do you know what your what you need to do for a time to qualify yeah i'm probably looking at the course in uh in western australia here Bustleton. probably because it's a flat fast course i'm probably looking at probably a four four twenty four twenty five maybe yeah and uh you currently said... currently at about a 450 yeah so, so where do you think that you'll what? How much will you do? do you plan on uh, on cutting from the swim, bike, and run legs, respectively? I'm pretty much. Uh, we're talking about bang for a buck. I'm pretty much at the pointy end of the the swim leg now, uh, coming out of the swim. So I'm thinking, well, I could probably chop a minute or two out, but the amount of time I'd have to put in extra to chop that one or two minutes off probably is not as beneficial as doing extra biking or running where I could save more time there. Um, the bike is pretty good. I could probably chop off five minutes, but the run I, I could probably chop off 20 minutes because I'm running oh, probably a, a 148. Um, I could definitely chop out 20 minutes there. It's just a, a pacing thing, you know, going too hard off the bike in the initial first four or five kilometres and just focusing on that. Yeah. Um, that's where I can see the biggest gain. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, so how do you manage to, to fit in the training? We talked a little bit at the start about your your job and your, your family. You have uh, you have teenage daughters and uh, et cetera. So, so how do you fit it all in? Um, I basically do 
I'd say 80% of my workouts first thing in the morning. So I call that the invisible training where I'm, I'm out, you know, quarter to five in the morning, I'm up, I'm either, you know, getting on my bike or running. And by the time I finish my session, I'm, I'm at home, a quick coffee, 10-minute chill time, and then get the kids up and to school or wherever they have to be. Because um, we've got four teenagers and it's just hectic we've got a whiteboard all set up so we know who's doing the dinner tonight who's doing the dishes who's drying and putting away so there's no arguments i'm rostered on so i know that um the tuesday night and the thursday night i'm not rostered on so i can actually do my swim workouts at, uh, at paul's sessions uh, so i've booked that in there so that's the only way we can do it um another way of saving some time we've got these um they call it hello fresh it's all veggies and meals done with color-coded bags and you've got a recipe and you basically grab the color-coded bag um, look at the recipe and then just cook for the family so and that's worked pretty well so we don't have to worry about what the kids are going to cook and stuff like that so that saved us a heap of time i can just walk away in there I have the dinner prepared in, in half an hour. So it's uh, organization uh, on the part of the entire family, really, and, and early mornings that yeah. in, in a nutshell. Pretty much. And, and in smart training too, you know, if I have to take uh, one of my daughters to uh, drama or stuff like that, it might be a few hours there and I'll sneak in a, you know, maybe an hour and a half swim and then come back and pick her up, um, stuff like that. If I've got an opportunity where... I have to just sit around waiting for them. I'll do a run or a swim or, or whatever it is just to get that session in. Yeah. Um, that's sort of the only way you can get around it sometimes. Yeah. So from where we are now and looking back at uh, where you came from, what would you say if you can give a few, um, however many you want really, but a few tips to age groupers listening to this that you've learned throughout the years through your own trial and error in triathlon? First thing is get a one-to-one -one swimming video analysis i i kick myself for years and years and years ago no 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 i don't but as soon as i yeah yeah 30 45 seconds improvement over 12 months i said that's the first thing that anyone can do in their swim if it's not that strong is get a a video analysis from a a, a good coach um yeah i still kick myself thinking i should have done that <laughs> years ago is there anything else that you any other tips um any other tips um basically consistency um and with consistency you know make sure you, you're getting up doing your workouts if you miss one that's okay too don't try and make it up um and small things like um you know practicing transition you know that's that's free free speed you know it's like how do you transition how do you do a flying mount how do you do a dismount you know get on the park where there's grass and try and practice it fall on the grass two or three times until you get it right um save you some time there um uh a coach get a coach as well they you know they're worth every every dollar invested um yeah and and just basically read um content from uh you know the web or podcasts um people with their own experiences and just absorb it all that's that's sort of you know what i've done yeah yeah exactly but be careful with not getting shiny object syndrome with that because there's a lot of reading you can do and there are many ways to skin a cat so but one person cannot do all of the different things that 
that potentially are good to do. So so that's again where uh, where a coach, for example, can can help fil- help filter it with you uh, to to do the things that. Uh, that you have time for and, and that can give you the biggest bang for your buck. Uh, yeah. I, going back to that swim analysis, I think that even if you're uh, really at the pointy end of swimming, it uh, it can be a really great thing to do. I'm going back to Finland in a, in a couple of weeks myself and and I'm looking to do a, a swim analysis with um, with a swim coach there that I know, a friend of mine actually, who has done swim analysis for me before. And uh, I'm probably right now i haven't raced due to my injury but i'm going to race in in a week and i'm looking at getting close to 10 minutes probably for for the sprint distance swim and uh and i still want to do that swim analysis because i think there's so much i can improve in my in my strokes i want to do that regularly and since uh, this guy has done it for me before i'm going to do that and hopefully that can help me shave a couple of seconds when i implement some of the things that i learned from that so it's not a one and done it's something that you want to do every now and then and uh, no matter your level you can you can always improve your swimming unless you're someone like michael phelps so so it's definitely something that i totally agree on and actually one more thing i i, I recently i've had a couple of training events and a, a training camp and one of the things, and I've done swim analysis for the athletes there, and that's in their feedback uh, when when they tell me what they enjoyed the most and learned the most. It, it, the swim analysis is usually one of the the big big things that uh, that they pick up on. Yeah, it's awesome. You, you see yourself swimming, especially when you're sort of picking up the speed, and you think, "Oh, I don't think I can shave any more time off." And then. Uh, I think it was about 12 months ago, Paul did a one-to-one and, and I said, oh, I'm not too sure what I'm doing wrong. And you just look at the video now and so you go, oh, is that it? And then straight away it clicks a penny and then you get a couple of, you know, a couple of seconds after two or three months, you, you're building up those, you know, the, the, the quicker pace. So it's awesome feedback to see yourself swim, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, one, one more question uh, before we get into the rapid fire questions. Are there some things related to training or racing that you find that uh, have worked for you really well? Like, for example, do you find that uh, a certain type of training, like let's say sweet spot training or VO2 max training, is something that you respond to really well? And uh, some some things like that that you that you can mention in whatever of the disciplines or all of the disciplines if you want to. Some things that that have worked well for you, basically. Yeah, I think the uh, the sweet spot training works well. That'll be in the long the long ride on a Saturday. You know, it's it's a three and a half four hour ride. It's a pretty long ride. I mean, you're in mostly in zone two, which is your sort of recovery, and then you're like a twenty minute sweet spot, um, and it's it's it slowly creeps up on you. You might only do three three by twenty minutes with the rest in between or the or the zone two, um, but it does creep up on you. And after you've finished, you you know you've done that workout and. Yeah, you can actually see after a sort of a month or so that 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 session there is actually quite a powerful session, giving you that I don't not so much more speed, but just less fatiguing. You're not fatigued as much every time you do that that workout. Um, and I think the the best workout for the swim would be um, the 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 threshold because um, you're you just you're redlining pretty much all the way to sustain like a race pace especially in a half Ironman you know the the 1.9 kilometers and it feels like you're in a race too even though you're getting you know 10 5 15 seconds break at a, a 200 or 300 meter it still feels like you're racing for the whole entire hour 
Um, and and I, I see that improve my swimming as well. Just I think for the feel of what a race is, because you go there every Thursday, you know it's um, you know it, it feels like race pace, and you just get the the feeling of what it will be when you're on there at race day, and and that's um, that's good as well. And on the run, now that we have the some favourites of yours on the bike and swim, is there something that you've found helpful on the run? Yeah, I, I was um, doing a lot of just the steady state long runs. Um, and when I um, got my coach, he got me doing some track work. Um, you know, they're like the 200s and 400s where, you know, you've got a high cadence, you um you're running quite quickly um and even barefoot running actually taking your shoes and socks off and actually running on the grass and she said just feel your feet on the grass and um and i, I don't know maybe psychologically i think i'm running easy i don't know <laughs> but i find it a little bit easier especially on the longer runs that they don't seem as hard whether that's just psychological but i think that's the only thing i've done different in the running is doing some track work where you know speed work um two fours 800 meters yeah no but that's uh, so important uh, to to do that that's something that uh, i think a lot of triathletes don't do uh most recreational runners will do that naturally even even though they are not coached but but it it's something that uh, hasn't i guess uh, broken through the same way to the triathlon community but um no i totally agree with you so uh, let's move into the rapid fire questions here you are a listener of course so you know how this works yep. what's your favorite book blog or resource related to triathlon i'd be uh joe friel's um your best triathlon uh, and a website i've just come across is um examine.com it's a nutrition website it's all science backed and it's it basically debunks any of the mainstream media of like one of them was does bacon cause cancer and they'll go to the nitty-gritty and give you the takeaway points of what actually the study was um that's quite a good good website that one yeah that's brilliant and stefan guyane who was on the show in a past episode talking about the hungry brain he's one of the reviewers of that site so it's really there are some really smart people that uh, that put those things together so yeah i totally yeah dig that side as well uh what's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success um consistency i think is the is the main one and and routine and what do you wish you had known or wish you had done differently at some point in your triathlon journey? Oh, get a swimming lesson, a one-to-one video analysis. That's the, that's the main one. Brilliant. All right, Brett, uh, this has been uh, really, really good talking, uh, talking with you. I really enjoyed it. And I think that a lot of listeners can probably relate to some of the things that we've, we've been discussing from how you uh, went from, from just starting out to now trying to qualify for the World Championships And good luck with that, by the way. Thanks very much. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Brett. As I've said quite a few times, I'm still kind of experimenting with these case studies. So I'm really curious to hear your feedback. Definitely send me an email to michael at scientifictriathlon.com and tell me what you think of these case studies. And uh, if you want to be a case study yourself, then uh, email me as well. Tell me a little bit about yourself. You do not have to be a semi-professional triathlete by any means. 
if you're a complete beginner, that is just as fine. But uh, yeah, I want to have athletes from all walks of life be case studies once uh, I get a library of these built up, so to say. And uh, links to all the related episodes, related first of all to other case studies, will be in the show notes and in the episode description. I'll also link to the interview with uh, with Paul Newsom. It was uh, episodes 132 and 33, a two-part interview. And for reference, the previous case studies were 130, which was called How David Qualified for Kona by Training Smarter and Getting the Details Right. And episode 124, which was called Age Group Triathlon Case Study with Jordan and Jesse Sorik. Uh, I didn't have a catchy title for that, so that was a bit of a fail, but I hope that you will enjoy the episode anyway. Alright, so uh, the key takeaways for me from this case study with Brett were definitely that he invested in uh, in the swim analysis, in joining a swim squad, squad and in getting a triathlon coach and that is what has helped him progress to the level where he's now trying to qualify for Worlds. And those are the best investments you can make, the kind of investments that many triathletes don't make because you can't touch them like you can touch a bike wheel or a new shiny helmet or a new computer or other gadget but they are the most they are the ones that will make you go faster and uh, by by a large margin when you compare the return on investment compared to any gadget or tool or tangible thing that you can buy so i really think that that's uh, worth hammering home and i'm a bit biased here of course as a coach myself but uh, but I'm also an athlete and I am coached and I've seen this in my own athletic career as well. So definitely consider that your best investments will not be the, the gadgets and, uh, and the tangibles, but they will be the investments that you make in yourself, like that swim analysis, like joining that swim squad and like getting a triathlon coach. Some news, pretty exciting news as well, is that uh, I have uh, I tried to to fix some dates for training camps for the autumn in Algarve in Portugal, southern Portugal, which is brilliant. I had a first test run of this in May, so now it's all systems go, and I just need to finalize the dates. And I have two options, basically. It's either mid-September or early September, or it's late October. And uh, you can still impact when I will have uh, my autumn 2018 training camp Send me an email to michaelandscientifictriathlon.com, and that's Michael with a K, and let me know what your preference is. I have a web page up on scientifictriathlon.com. In the menu, you can now find a page called Training Camps. It's under Services. So check that out for all the details, pictures. Uh, there are a lot of details there. And I'll also link to it in the episode description, absolutely, so you can learn more about what these training camps will be about. But it's a week-long training camp, so it will be great, and I look forward to welcoming many listeners uh, there and hopefully coached athletes as well so it will be a nice mix the weather is brilliant the food is brilliant the cycling is uh, outstanding so smooth roads but no cars on them you wouldn't believe that it's uh, it's europe you would believe it's somewhere i don't know where so that is really exciting and as i said let me know when you would prefer these camps to be On the next episode of the podcast, I will do a solo episode on the latest science 
on running form, there's a new really big, really good study out that I'm going to reference there and talk a little bit about what we now know about running form. So look forward to that next Monday. Of course, there will be a beginner tip in the meantime on Thursday. And uh, in the meantime, keep training smart and keep loving triathlon. <laughs>